Human rights are one of the world's most important values and certainly a cornerstone of European integration. And there is just never enough podcast episodes dedicated to this topic. My name is Natasha Briski. I am a journalist from Slovenia, co-founder of an independent media network, Metaslist. And the conversation that follows is another on a ser- in a series about the state of human rights in the 21st century. And my name is Elias Pengo-Bittens. I tag along in uh, Natasha's podcasting adventures. Natasha is also um, an accomplished journalist, foreign correspondent and explorer for those of you uh, who didn't know. Uh, in this series of podcasts, we uh, talk to various uh, activist decision makers, people who make human, ri- human rights the core of their professional daily life. So far, we've talked to the former Slovenian president, Danilo Tirk, uh, Greek ombudsman uh, Andreas Potakis and uh, Turkish activist lawyer uh, Vaisal Ok. And today, Natasha, we have a very special guest to continue our conversation. Yes, we do. Uh, with us is uh, Werner Amon. He's a member of the Austrian Ombudsman Board, Austrian Ombudsman, and he's also the Secretary General of the International Ombudsman Institute. Mr. Amon, it's a pleasure to have you with us. Hello, my pleasure. So let me start with the basic question. Um, I mentioned that you are a member of the Austrian Ombudsman Board. There are three of you. Uh, It's not the same case as we have in Slovenia. Now, could you at the beginning just explain how does an Austrian system work uh, with its two other colleagues as uh, board members? Uh, first of all, I, I would like to thank you for the invitation uh, to be part of this of this interview. Uh, due to the pandemic, uh, meetings in person are hardly possible. I am therefore very happy that we can do this interview via uh, this podcast. Uh, coming back to your question, as you said, the Austrian Ombudsman Board consists of three members. These members are elected by the National Council for six years and can be re-elected once. They are sworn in by the federal president. Uh, Me and my two colleagues have started our term in 2019. The three of us work together as colleagues and are independent in the performance of our work. We independently control the public administration on the basis of the federal constitution. This means that we uh, control the actions of all authorities, offices and departments of the federal government, the provinces and the municipalities throughout Austria. At the beginning of every term of office, the members of the Ombudsman Board, so those three, agree on a distribution of responsibilities which are then published in the Federal Law Gazette. This determines which business area each member assumes and for which administrative area he or she is responsible, meaning that we divided the administrative areas between the three of us, what makes sense regarding the scope of areas we control. Uh, We do not have any deputies, as, for example, the Slovenian Ombudsman has. But, and this is a very important point, all issues concerning budget, personnel and organizational matters are decided jointly. The chair is held by one member at a time 
and changes every year in July. In my point of view, this is a very efficient and effective way of working and has been a success story since 1977. Currently, we have a total of around 90 employees that deal with nearly 18,000 audit cases per year. Heraman, in your view and in light of the pandemic, which in many countries around the world has upended, let's call them human rights priorities, things that were once taken for granted or suddenly challenged, and in some cases vice versa, uh, what has uh, been the effect of the pandemic on the state of human rights in Austria? Well, in Austria, we live in the comfortable situation of facing a functioning constitutional state in which the protection of human rights is also a top priority. Uh, the Ombudsman Board is doing its part uh, to check this respect for human rights by monitoring the situation in the federal states in various institutions where human rights violations can occur. These include, for example, institutions such as prisons or nursing homes, uh, in which personal freedom may be withdrawn or restricted. Uh, they also review facilities and programs for people with disabilities. There have been installed seven commissions consisting of experts uh, in order to carry out these visits uh, or controls. The Ombudsman Board and its seven commissions together form the National Preventive Mechanism, the NPM. I will explain the NPM in more detail later. However, it is not only institutions that are checked. The administration as the executive is also monitored very closely when direct command or coercive power is exercised, such as in the case of bringing illegals out of the countries, demonstrations or police operations. What regards the COVID-19 situation, it was and still is challenging for us, the Ombudsman and institution as well, and the Ombudsman institution as well. We, we wanted to maintain a low threshold access for the population in spite of the special situation. We therefore switched from consulting days on site to telephone consultings, for, for example. Um, and also our commissions had to adapt to the special situation of this pandemic. It never was an option for us to suspend the visits, uh, respectively checks com completely. Under strict hygiene and security measures, the commissions were able to resume their inspection Visits. You mentioned already, could you explain in a bit more detail uh, the national preventive mechanism? How does that work and why is that needed? Uh, of course, I, I would like to. The Ombudsman Board has been responsible for the protection and promotion of human rights in the Republic of Austria since uh, the 1st of July in 2012 already. Uh, the constitutional mandate to protect human rights as a national preventive mechanism uh, is based on two important legal acts of the United Nations. On the one hand, the UN optional protocol to the Convention Against Torture and other cruel, inhuman or degrading treatment 
or punishment, the so-called opcat mandate, and on the other hand, the Convention on the Rights of Persons with Disabilities. Uh, as already mentioned before, the Austrian Ombudsman Board has established one federal and six regional commissions to monitor institutions in which there is or can be a deprivation or restriction of personal liberty uh, in order to comply with the NPM mandate. The expert commissions have on the other side unrestricted, unrestricted access to all institutions and receive all the information documents required to exercise, exercise their mandate. Uh, the Austrian Ombudsman Board presents its current inspection findings, as in the case of individual complaints, in its reports to the Parliament and the provincial parliaments. The Board is also obliged to report to the UN subcommission each year about its work as a national preventive mechanism for the prevention of torture. Uh, as already stated, the commissions monitor all places where freedom is restricted. So this is about 4,000 public and private institutions as covered by this and around 500 visits in prisons, barracks, psychiatric hospitals, old people's homes and nursing homes, crisis centers, residential groups for children and juvenile supervised by youth and welfare services and facilities for people with, with disabilities. Well, that sounds quite a lot. <laughs> yeah, it's a big number. Conducted by the, as well, conducted by the regional experts commissions for the most part. So they do so announced. The essential purpose of this so-called national preventive mechanism is to recognize and rem remedy risk factors for human rights infringements at an early stage. Uh, furthermore, I would like to stress that it is especially important to exchange experiences at the international level in order to be able to carry out this task properly. Uh, the Ombudsman Board is therefore constantly working together with the UN Subcommission and the CPD Commission, uh, which is the European Committee for the Prevention of Torture and Inhuman and Degrading Treatment or Punishment, the Council of Europe and the international experts. Another important MPM connection has been established in March 2013. At that time, the National Preventive Mechanism of Albania, Bulgaria, Croatia, Macedonia, Montenegro, Serbia, and of course, Slovenia established uh, the so-called Southeastern European NPM network in Belgrade. And the members of the SEE NPM network consult each other with practical questions that arise during their monitoring work. Twice a year network meetings are organized by one of its members. So this is quite a good cooperation between the Southeastern European countries. Um, that really is a broad mandate and, and um, there's a lot apparently of uh, international and regional cooperation. Um, but Turning the attention a bit uh, back to, to the pandemic, would you consider that the nature of your work, uh, even though, as I understand, you have managed to continue uh, the specific projects and, 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 and pathways that you have taken, 
has has the nature changed? Has the pandemic changed the way people and institutions see and view human rights? Um, not really. I mean, probably we have uh, been more sensible in the question of of uh, uh, of, of guarding uh, human rights. Uh, of course, uh, in 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 usual times, so to say, uh, you will not find uh, those restrictions what we have faced during the pandemic. What means that, uh, for example, people they are living in nursing homes uh, for the elderly uh, have suddenly been not anymore being allowed to leave their homes. Uh, what was simply not allowed under the law. Uh, so it came up somewhat more sensible to our commissions, but in fact, it did not really change our work. Mm -hmm. And how would you uh, uh, um, consider your, or, or maybe your, the, the cooperation of uh, your board with other institutions in the Republic of Austria that deal with human rights on a daily basis, be it the... Uh, National Council as the body that appointed you, be it the Constitutional Court, be it any other number of organizations that deal with these matters. Uh, has there been a change in dynamic? Namely, the reason I ask is because there has been a string of decisions by the Slovenian Constitutional Court uh, on the relations between the pandemic, the government, and everything else. And and it, it, it would seem that... Uh, um, Institutions that were, I wouldn't say dormant, but uh, that what just they were going along with their daily business, they have suddenly sprung back to life as the result of the pandemic. So I'm wondering if that is the similar situation in Austria. Uh, well, the the work with the institutions you you mentioned, National Council uh, or the, the the Federal Council. Uh, this and and the, the, the provincial parliaments, uh, this cooperation was quite good and they have been very interested in our work. Uh, for example, we, we usually do, do a report every year uh, to, to the parliament as well as to the provincial uh, parliaments, uh, which usually has two parts. Uh, one for, for all questions concerning mall administration and, and concerning the administrative bodies uh, and the second uh, part of this report usually is every year uh, talking about uh, the regular national prevention mechanism but in 2020 we did the third part uh, which uh, which which uh, uh, sum up all uh, complaints uh, concerning the COVID-19 pandemic and it was about uh, 1,500 cases, around 1,500 cases uh, regarding regarding the COVID-19 pandemic and the, the restrictions. And uh, we also have been uh, involved in, in all the questions of, of uh, for example, economic aid and subsidies, what the Republic gave out to, to enterprises and firms they came under under pressure. We 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 also supported them in their 
in their, uh, of course, difficult situation. Uh, Mr. Amon, you're also Secretary General of the International Ombudsman Institute. Uh, where you commit yourself to the fostering of democracy and the rule of law and also strengthening of uh, ombudsman institutions worldwide. Now, I can understand what connects uh, the ombudsman. They have more or less, I, I would say, or I guess, a uh, similar job defending human rights and, and uh, other issues. Uh, but how does that look on the ground, connecting all uh, from various parts of the world uh, into one organization? The, the IOI, as you mentioned, is an international organization that, that promotes the Ombudsman concept and supports the cooperation of independent oversight bodies, such as, as the Ombudsman. The IOI was founded in 1978, and it is the only global organization for parliamentary ombudsmen at the national, regional, and also for the local level. At the moment, we have in the IOI more than 200 members from more than 100 countries uh, on all continents. And the IOI is governed by a board of directors, and our current president is, is Mr. Chris Fields, uh, he is uh, the present Ombudsman of Western Australia, for example. Uh, in 2009, the IOI has transferred its headquarters uh, to the Austrian Ombudsman Board. Um, as a consequence, one of the Austrian Ombudsmen uh, is nominated as the Secretary General of the IOI. So currently, I have uh, both honor and pleasure of performing uh, in this important function. Uh, the IOI promotes the exchange of practices and helps uh, to enhance the competences of its members through trainings, publications, uh, and research, international cooperation and regular exchange by way of conferences, seminars, and workshops, and as the pandemic uh, was asking for, of online seminars, of course. Um, uh, and to answer your question, uh, what uh, what connects ombudsmen? Uh, what are the differences and what challenges do they have to, to tackle? Uh, you see, the ombudsman concept has proven extraordinarily uh, adaptable since it's established uh, in, in Sweden more than 200 years ago. By now, most countries around the world have established some sort of parliamentary control body to monitor and implement the rule of law. Uh, to ensure good governance, to fight against small administration and the abuse of power, or to protect and promote uh, human rights. Uh, the specific role and mandate of ombudsman institutions vary significantly from region to region, of course. No matter how different these offices operate, they all abide by the key values of independence, impartiality and fairness. And this is in fact very important for our work uh, as ombudsmen. Ombudsmen are core elements of every democracy with the intrinsic rule of investigating possible cases of mall administration, detecting system issues, uh, and holding public administration to account. It is therefore inevitable uh, that ombudsman offices will uncover matters and issues which are not to the liking of their restrictive government. The stable democracy under the rule of law 
must be able to handle such criticism and to act upon it. For example, initiate steps and measures to improve the situation. It must never attack the ombudsman. It must never attack the ombudsman for fulfilling its mandate and work. If this is still, uh, or, or it comes into a case, an ombudsman come under threat, are attacked or face any form of reprisals, the International Ombudsman Institute stands ready to lend its members all possible support. And that's what we are doing, and uh, unlikely we have to do sometimes. And uh, none too soon, uh, it would seem, because uh, more and more uh, governments around the world uh, have fragile egos and cannot honestly stand any sort of uh, criticism, especially when it comes to allegations of human rights violations. Um, Heraman, before we wrap up and we are running out of time, what would you consider are the biggest challenges for your organization and for human rights globally in the coming years? Well, uh, for our organization, it is, it is very important when it comes to the, and when we are talking about the IOI, the International Ombudsman Institute, uh, is to be uh, recognized more on the international level. Uh, therefore, we have established a UN working group uh, and this UN, United Nations Working Group, uh, is, is working and negotiating uh, since uh, uh, three weeks ago with the United Nations about a very special status on the UN level. Uh, we, we will apply for a, a status as permanent observer uh, to the General Assembly of the United Nations, which is very important. For, uh, uh, for earning more recognition as, as a human rights uh, defender. And this is uh, one of, 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 of uh, a challenge what we, are, what we are facing at the moment. Uh, the concerns I have is indeed uh, that uh, especially when, when you look to, to uh, the movement of people, when you look to uh, the number of refugees, which is uh, dramatically increasing in the last years, uh, that there are a lot of uh, human, uh, human rights questions occur. Um, and so uh, we are not running off of, of work, of course. And uh, Natasha, I think that's uh, all the time we have for today. I'd love to continue the conversation, but uh, we, it's literally impossible to solve all the problems or expose all the good practices in one single session. Uh, Heraman, thank you so much for your time. And, and unless, Natasha, you want to add something else? Mm, as you mentioned, and as I said at the beginning, there is never too many podcasts uh, debating the, the human rights, the state of human rights. So we're going to for sure return to the topic. Uh, but uh, Mr. Uh, Werner Ramon, thank you very much for being part of our series. I thank you very much. Great pleasure for me talking to you. Thanks a lot.